Welcome to the Brownstein Hyatt Farber Shrek podcast series. Denver is considering changes to its expanding housing affordability ordinances that would extend deadlines for developers. Adopted in June 2022, the ordinances require both for rent and for sale projects with 10 or more multifamily units to either include affordable housing options or pay a fee in lieu and require commercial projects pay linkage fees. Tune in to hear a discussion with Blair Lichtenfels, Zach Siegel, and Andy Stater who talk about the changes, how we got here, and why this could be good news for developers. Welcome to everyone to episode five of our fun and exciting Brownstein Hyatt Farber Shrek real estate slash city of Denver podcast that still needs a name, but we'll get we'll get it one one of these days. Blair, today we're talking affordable housing in the city of Denver, and more specifically, we're talking about some new requirements imposed by the city that a number of our clients and folks out there in the development community care a lot about that are about to come into effect. And who is going to be required to comply with those new requirements? Today we have with us our fabulous colleague, Andy Stater, who's going to take us through the current expanded housing affordability ordinance and a proposed amendment that would extend some deadlines that I think would be very helpful to a number of projects that are sitting in the queue with the city of Denver waiting to be reviewed. So with that introduction, I think let's dive in. Blair, do you want to just give us a little bit of the lay of the land of where we're at today and the deadlines that we're talking about um, extending? Sure. Um, Just to sort of set the table before we get into the pending amendments, um, in June of 2022, the city and county of Denver adopted what we affectionately refer to as the Expanding Housing Affordability Ordinance. And this ordinance um, was sort of planned and discussed and and put together um, with a number of stakeholders over a long period of time. It was eventually adopted by the city council in June of 2022, as I mentioned. And high-level summary, effectively what it requires is that if you are building a uh, resident that has 10 or more multifamily units, you are required to provide um, mandatory inclusionary housing, mandatory affordable housing at varying levels, depending on where the project is located in the city and sort of which of, uh, option that you opt into. This applies if you're doing a for-rent product or a for-sale product. Now, there is actually also a fee-in-lieu option. If, if people don't want to actually include the mandatory affordable housing, they are able to pay a fee-in-lieu. And of course, for um, developers building commercial projects, Projects, they end up paying uh, a linkage fee. Many of you will remember the adoption of the linkage fee, I believe, in 2016, and the expanding housing affordability increased the amount of linkage fee that the commercial uh, developers are going to pay. So what Andy Stater's here to talk about today is the pending amendments. So she'll tell you sort of how we got here and what they're doing, but these amendments, I think, are going to be good news to all of our developer clients. So I certainly remember when the expanded housing affordability ordinance passed and getting calls from a number of our clients saying, whoa, 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 when do I need to be submitting documents to the city for review? What do I need to be submitting? Because this has huge implications for how I develop my project or how it pencils. So Andy, will you take us through 
What are the changes to the EHA that the ordinance amendment provides? Yeah, thanks, Zach. Excited to be here. Um, So basically, we have two ordinance amendments coming through. The first is going to amend the ordinance from 2022 that changed the zoning code provisions to affect the EHA. And the other is going to amend the ordinance uh, that was put forth last year that amended the provisions of the Denver Municipal Code that provided the same changes. So essentially, the, the change will be that for SDP approvals, the ones that have to be obtained were August 30th, 2023, under the existing EHA, and that this amendment will push that date out to May 17th for just straight SDP approvals. If you have an SDP approval that has received consolidated review comments that require a fourth or more round of comments from CPD, then you have until August 31st of 2024. Now, for SDPs that also include a subdivision or an LDR, which is a large development review, the deadline was December 31st of this year. But if the ordinances are approved, that deadline will get pushed out to September 13th of 2024, unless, of course, you have received consolidated review comments that are going to require four or more rounds of SDP review, in which case then you get that additional time now to December 31st of 2024. So, Andy, it sounds like this is particularly important to projects that have already been submitted to the city and are sitting there in the queue waiting to be reviewed by the city. What, what's the impetus for CPD requesting these extensions in the form of the amendments? That's right, Zach. So um, the reason that this all came down is that essentially last year when the the first deadline was that you had to submit a concept SDP by June 30th of 2022, Just before that deadline hit, CPD had an onslaught of essentially around uh, 750 SDPs were submitted, which was obviously a very large load increase to CPD's um, work, and they have been finding it very difficult to keep up with that, that amount of SDPs that need to be reviewed. I I certainly hope that there are some of the people listening to this podcast right now that uh, were folks that were submitting those SDPs when the EHA was introduced the first time. Yeah, so just anecdotally, I mean, obviously anyone who's working in this space is aware of the increased amount of time it's taking to get SDPs done in Denver. And, you know, this is this you know, it's it's changed. I think several years ago, I would have said it takes eh, maybe nine months, maybe 12 months for a complicated SDP. And now I think we're looking at anywhere between 18, 24, even a little more for a complicated site development plan approval in the city. And I think this is due to a lot of factors. One, increased volume of people trying to take advantage of this exemption. Additionally, you know, in, in the spring of 2022, the, the development market was hot. We had lots of, you know, coastal investors coming, wanting to build projects. I think we still um, had city staff was trying to staff up after COVID. They hadn't quite recovered to their full staffing capacity. So I think they're just a sort of a, uh, a perfect storm of factors that have led to this just taking way, way, way longer than normal. And um, when you put these hard dates into zoning code and Denver revised municipal code, they take city council approval to amend them. And again, I think this is another example, Blair. We've talked about this in the past in the context of, uh, you know, referred questions that were on the ballot. But another example of a practical response to a problem that surfaced for a number of reasons. And extending the deadlines, I think, is, you know, something that makes a lot of sense given 
all of the factors that you just laid out. It's, it's definitely a practical response. I would also say that it's the result of a lot of hard work of CPD and um, different parties in the private sector working together to find a way um, for this to be um, backed up by actual evidence and and supported sort of um, by a broader coalition. So Yeah. And again, we know that there are a lot of folks out there listening to this that understand the implications of not getting projects approved by the EHA's deadlines, but I think, Andy, it'd still be helpful for you to kind of give us some background and context on those. What does it mean for the penciling of my project if I don't get approved under the EHA's current guidelines? Right. So under the current guidelines, a a project that has is going to be under the old, old rules and regs, um, if they opted to go the linkage fee route on the high end, the linkage fee is a, like sub two dollars an hour or two two dollars per square foot of your project. Um, however, if you have to go under the new EHA guidelines, that goes upwards to nine dollars a square foot. So the difference there is huge for projects. And if you had built your project up to this date and you submitted your concept STP back in June of last year, and you've been operating for the last year under this assumption that you're going to be under the old rules. It, this just blows up your pro forma, and it, and it could very well kill deals. Makes sense. So what are the next steps for these, these two bills? Absolutely. So as of now, at second reading, both of these bills um, passed with city council. So the one that has to do with changing the DRMC um, is, is done where it is. Uh, it's passed. It just has to now be signed into law. Uh, with respect to the one that revises the zoning code, that requires a public hearing, and that public hearing has been scheduled for May 22nd, so that's coming up very quickly, uh, and then we'll see where it goes from there. So, Blair, I think I'd love to get your perspective on whether city council will approve the extension on the second reading. Zach, are you asking me to make a prediction about how the elected body is going to react to this? You know, we've, we've certainly strayed away from that in all of our previous podcasts. But yes, Blair, will you make a prediction for me? I will not make a prediction, actually. <laughs> but what I, what I will say is that I have been in touch with people at CPD, and I know that they've worked really hard to um, present an evidence-based case to the city council members and to explain why they're making the request and why the extension deadlines are not too long and that they're actually intended to accommodate those um, applicants who submitted in good faith and have been proceeding in good faith. So I am optimistic that city council will approve these pending ordinances. Is there any discretion on the part of the city in connection with being able to use the the August 31st, 24 extension if an applicant has satisfied the requirements of the three submittals? Great question. I actually um, had the same question when I saw the pending language because here, again, you have clients who are acting today in reliance on this extension and making decisions relative to purchase and sale agreements, contracts with um, you know GCs, design of project, etc. This is all comes down to money. Um, but but my understanding from speaking to people at CPD is that in fact the answer to that question is no. There isn't any discretion as long as you have um, gotten your three submittals and you have a fourth that needs to go in that that they they don't. Have have the right to deny that or not give you the additional time to August. That's helpful to know. And I, I think it also begs a question of for those that don't think they're going to be able to make it, is there the possibility that a new developer could step into the shoes of an applicant that's in the middle of the STP process to take advantage of the exemptions that exist now? Yes, this is something that I've been thinking about actually ever since the EHA was passed. And 
more so lately as the capital markets have become sort of less liquid, if you will. The idea here is that we've had developers who submitted SDPs um, prior to the June of 2022 deadline, and they've been proceeding in good faith, but for whatever reason, that particular developer isn't necessarily going to be able to ultimately close on the land, pull a building permit, etc. And so the idea is, are other developers able to step into their shoes, enter into a purchase and sale contract with, with the existing landowner, you know, uh, take an assignment of the SDP and proceed and maintain the viability of the exemption? And I think as a general matter, the answer to that question is yes. I definitely think it's something that requires some careful due diligence with the city and with your legal team to ensure that you're able to satisfy the definition of the applicant and also to ensure that the initial applicant who potentially is bowing out of the project, you want to ensure that they have kept that site development plan submittal active such that CPD hasn't said this is inactive and no longer um, qualifies for the exemption. So um, I think there's good news on that front that um, CPD has given us some pretty clear direction, but it definitely warrants some diligence before anyone makes investment decisions around the same. Yeah. Well, a lot to keep your eye on here as we move forward over the next few weeks and another item that I think we'll probably follow up on with an additional podcast. Um, I think our shameless plug is pretty perfect because the consultation with your legal team is something that you'll <laughs> you'll probably need either way, but um, we're here to help. So Andy, thank you so much for Thanks, your Andy. expertise. We really, really appreciate it. We hope you'll come on to our follow-up podcast once we see how this shakes out with the city. And thanks again, Blair. We'll, we'll yeah. see you next time. Sounds great. Thank you for listening to the Brownstein Hyatt Farber Shrek podcast series. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. Visit bhfs.com for more information.